know, I've been at Broadway for 15 years, so the, the, it's, the math just it seems obvious, but the longer I've been here, the longer I've known people. And so those names that we read, I, I mean, I could spend the whole time telling you stories of God's goodness through those folks. Uh, and uh, we won't do that, but man, it is, it is a privilege to name those names and to be here with you and to recognize that we will do this for each other. We'll tell God's goodness in the stories that we tell about one another. It sort of heightens, our, heightens the deal a little bit. Um, you know, so, and we share a lot of things together. Some of them are very serious and some of them are fun. And uh, uh, so let me kind of take us in another direction just for a minute because I don't know if you caught that Today is the annual Broadway Abroad Ministry Chili Cook-Off, uh, which, I, and you probably remember this, um, even if you're new to Broadway, you probably heard the, you know, the, the, the lore of this, that I won the first year. Um, I expected applause, but I, I, whatever. Um, and that they, you might not know, they come to me every year and ask me to talk, uh, you know, kind of talk smack about my, my chili, which is easy to do because uh, it's the best. And... Um, so I was in the church yesterday, and I noticed that they just left the trophies lying around. So what do you do except take a trophy selfie of the, the chili cook-off, uh, which is, uh, you know, well, hold on. That's not actually good enough. I feel like you need to you underst- understand, like, where this is headed, you know. So we're about truth-telling here. So I know other people will compete today, uh, but you really need to come, uh, and um, I just... I, they left the, the trophies in the mailroom, and I figured it was probably just because they had assumed I needed to know where they were anyway, so kind of cut out the middle man. But, uh, so all that to say, really good chili tonight at the chili cook-off here in the cup, and it benefits our missionaries, so it's a win-win. And, uh, and then, oh, speaking of win, I, uh, I'll, you'll, you'll get to see that too. So we are talking about prayer in all seriousness. We are talking about prayer. And uh, this series is called Prayers of the People because uh, we have these, it's not, pr- it's not so much that we have these prayers that we should pray, we, ha- we f- have these prayers that we find ourselves praying without even having to think about it. It just sort of happens. It's sort of just part of being human. Uh, and we wonder who are we praying to and where did that come from? Those are the, the prayers of the people that, that we're talking about in this series. And uh, they, they teach us something about what it means to be human. It, they teach us something about our relationship with God. But one of the things that we end up doing uh, with prayer is that we make it super complicated or like we have to have the right words or we get kind of, we, we get kind of all tied up about it. We don't, know, we don't necessarily know how to do it. It has all this pressure involved with it. Today I want to speak to that a little bit. I want, to, I want to give you a definition of prayer that is, I think, pretty foundational to what we're actually talking about that kind of cuts through all of that, honestly, that gets down to what prayer really is. So let me put this on the screen. Let's think about that. Prayer is talking to God about what we're doing together. Pretty simple. But in that simple definition, there, there is actually a lot because, you know, part of it is recognizing, well, what are we doing, right? And, and, and we're going through life, and sometimes we're, you know, kind of rolling through onto the next thing, thinking ahead, trying to get stuff figured out, and we don't actually know what we're doing in the moment. What are we doing here? It teaches us to be present and to recognize God's presence in it, that, that actually we are doing whatever it is, whether we realize it or not, we're doing this with God. And then 
how does that awareness then change the way we interact? Is how does it heighten our awareness of what's going on in each moment? So I got to thinking about how simple that is. And uh, so we're talking to God about what we're doing together. What does that, what does it look like for us today as we gather for church? I wrote a little prayer. God, today is Sunday, and I hope that we leave church with a sense of how good you are. See how that instantly just names the thing and raises our awareness. Wrote another prayer for us this week. God, Isaac is getting his wisdom teeth taken out on Tuesday, and I hope his cheeks don't swell up so much that he, and he doesn't hurt so much. God, this week is election week, and I hope all of those ads will stop being on TV all the time. Actually, this is my prayer. God, this week is election week, and I hope you will guide our leaders to lead with grace. You can think about how we can talk about the highs or the lows, and it fits into that framework. God, this is what's going on. This is what, this is what we're doing together. Let's, let's talk about that. Prayers don't have to use flowery language. They don't have to get out ahead of us. They don't have to try to predict the future. I think some of us, if we're, if we're probably all of us, if we're honest, get into prayer in some way or another trying to gain control of our lives, trying to get a sense of what's going on, trying to get our bearings, trying to maybe hope uh, for a certain future, and that's fine, but prayer doesn't have to do all of that. Prayer just simply has to show up and, and, and help us show up for our lives. One of the ways of thinking about prayer is, uh, this is a little bit of a, a great, probably a, a lot of a oversimplification, but you know, in Eastern traditions, the idea of meditation and prayer is to help you rise above this world, kind of disconnect, to, to not be connected, to, to somehow get away from the realities of, of, of human existence. But in, in Christian prayer, it's just the opposite. We serve a God who comes into the world, and prayer helps us meet God in the moment, to be present and to recognize the presence uh, to help us more fully engage, not disengage, but re-engage and more fully engage in each moment. Prayer is actually a way for us to stay grounded and so that all of life, regular life, becomes an occasion to encounter God's goodness. It's about being honest with God, talking it out, cutting through all of the formality and just getting down to it. But very often we make prayer to be something else, don't we? Like, have you been, ever been asked to pray out loud in front of people? How many of you consider that like on the top 10 list of the most terrifying things to do, right? It's, it's, it's scary. Um, I, I, I joke that I uh, got into ministry because they asked somebody in the family to pray before the meal at family gatherings. And whoever prayed first got to eat first. <laughs> That's, that's, and here we are. But we feel like we have to have the right words. And, and like, there's something so private and so scary about that. Maybe we think that if we, on the other side of things, if, uh, when things aren't going our way, if, that if we just pray the right words or we pray hard enough or we trust hard enough, that that will somehow influence things and our prayers will be more effective. Maybe we use prayer to try to control life where it feels so out of control. You know, sometimes we ask God just for a little bit of clarity. It's not that we want there to be fireworks in the sky. It's not like there has to be like a, a sky riding across the sky. It's not like we have to have a beam of light that shines right down on the right choice. But if we're honest, wouldn't it be nice if that happened every once in a while? <laughs> to make things that are unclear just a little bit clearer. 
And so we pray big prayers, we use big words, and that's not all bad. But listen to what Jesus says. Uh, This is the message paraphrase, and so it is a paraphrase of the words of Jesus, but I think it helps clarify what we're talking about. This is from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. Well, that's kind of blunt, isn't it? But here's what he means. They're, they're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. You can turn on the TV, and there are whole television programs about how to make this bigger than it needs to be. Here's what the, 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 the scripture says. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you're dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, we can pray very simply. And that simplicity in prayer is what we see in the life of Moses. Moses, who has this up and down relationship with God from the wicker basket in the Nile River on to being exiled out of Egypt and going out into the wilderness and then encountering God in the burning bush, which is a pretty remarkable thing. This bush is that is burning, but not burned up, and then talks to God which leads him on this incredible journey of leading the people out of Egypt into God's promised land. And that's where we find the the scripture this morning in Exodus 33. We find Moses and God doing what Moses and God do, which is talk it out. In fact, back to that burning bush story, we sort of get caught up on the miracle part of that. But as you read that story, if you want to go back and look at the conversation, what you find is this, this thing that could only be described as prayer, And God and Moses just talking it out, talking about what they're doing together. And what you see in Moses is that there's not any of that flowery language. There's no polishing it up. There's no putting on a good face. It is just pretty blunt and pretty direct. There are times where Moses says, I don't think so, God, and they hash it out. There are times when Moses tells God, I don't even think that's the right way to go. And that seems so presumptuous, but that's the kind of relationship they have. So much so that in the setup before what we read today in Exodus 33:11, it says that Moses meets with God face to face, as you would a friend. And that face to face thing uh, is where we find them, honestly, in Exodus 33 as they're talking together about what they're doing together, which is trying to lead the people. Anybody who has ever been in leadership knows how this feels. Moses is just able to kind of talk to God about it. The setup is in Exodus, this is Exodus 33. In Exodus 32, Moses has been up on the mountain and he has been talking to God and he stayed too long. And so what did the people do? They made a false God for themselves. They made a golden calf and they worshiped it. And then Moses comes down and is like, Oh my gosh, what do we do here? And God's like, oh my gosh, what do we do here? So fast, here we are, Exodus 33, they're hashing that out. And do you just sort of give up now? That's, that's the thing. And how will this work? How, how, how can you lead a people like this? Again, anybody who's ever led probably has prayed something like this. How are we, we going to do this, God? And um, the, the heart of that prayer is the question of how God will be present in the midst of it. You know, so it's, it's a pretty big challenge. It's been said that it took 40 days to get the people out of Egypt, but it took 40 years to get Egypt out of the people. That's the challenge. And Moses lays it on the line with God and says, listen, if you don't go with us, this is done. 
and, and we will have gone all this way from out of Egypt with the plagues, and this is the kids are studying this right now, by the way, and all, all of the things, the crossing the Red Sea and coming up on the mountain and working on learning your ways, trying to lead these people to a better life, trying to help them figure out a better way of in, encountering the world, trying to teach them who they actually are, it's going to be done. Exodus 33 is this back and forth about how how and if God is going to be present in all of that. You know, that's, God's presence is something that we sort of assume, right? We, we kind of understand God is everywhere and God is present, but isn't that the, the wrestling of all of our prayers in some way or another? God, God how are you going to be in this? And so God says to Moses, I'm going to be in this. I'm going to be with you. And, 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 and in a way that confirms Moses' You know, his buy-in, too. And then Moses prays this prayer. They've worked it out. God's going to be present. And then he says, now show me your glory. My guess is that you've prayed that prayer but never used those words. Uh, that in some way or another, as we're hashing it out with God, where we're trying to figure out if God's going to be present in the situation, we get a sense that God's there. It's like, well, let's, let's, see, let's, let's see that. And maybe, maybe Moses just wanted a little confirmation. Maybe not sky riding in the sky. Maybe not a beam of light shining down on the right choice. But, you know, a little something, right? Maybe Moses wants just a little bit of assurance of what the future is going to be like. You don't have to tell me the whole thing, but if you could show me a step or two and kind of show me that this is, like, just a little bit, like... Peel back the curtain of heaven just a little bit. Let me see it. It's not that necessarily Moses asked for this. It's not the, the, the language, but, you know, would it be so big a deal for God to just wow me just a little bit? A little bit. A few weeks ago, we had a gathering of pastors here at, at Broadway, in this room, actually, and um, we wanted to take care of them. And so we have uh, some people in the church that we go to, and there are really several people that we could go to, to cook for, for the meal. You know, but they have to be able to provide food for 60 people, and it needs to be good, and we needs to, it needed to kind of feel like comfort food. So uh, we called in some of our big guns, and um, there were three kinds of pie. That's when you know, right? That's when you know that it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a good deal, right? And in fact, a lot of great things were said today, but, uh, that day, but mostly people talked about the pie. Most, mostly people talked about the food. Al and so they were going around with a cart, and there were three choices. Apple, I think the other one was cherry, but I, don't, I honestly don't remember. The third was razzle-dazzle. Do you know what razzle-dazzle is? It doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter. You just want some, right? Every once in a while, wouldn't it be nice just to have a little bit of razzle-dazzle? That's Moses' prayer. Show me your glory. little razzle-dazzle wouldn't hurt anybody. And we get it, don't we? Like as we lean in, this is Moses leaning in with God. It's like, can you just like show up a little bit? And we've all prayed that prayer in some way or another. Show me your glory. We don't use those words. Here's the best part of this. This is what I love about this passage. In fact, when I was in college, I remember one of my professors preaching on this passage in chapel. Now, unlike you, I don't remember every sermon that I've heard in my life, but I remember this one. In fact, this was um, Dr. Darrell. It's Bart Darrell. Uh, some of you know uh, Bart Darrell. His dad, uh, um, Bob Darrell, preached on this passage. And I remember him trying to express to a 
knucklehead 19-year-old college kid, in my, in my sense, I was trying to get what he was saying. He was trying to express how real it got there in this moment between God and Moses, how connected they were, how Moses was leaning into his relationship with God and trust, and they had worked out that God was going to be present moving forward. And so then he leans in a little bit more and says, show me your glory. And what I love about the text is it doesn't, it doesn't even explain what happens next. It just, it, it just shifts. And God hears, show me your glory. But what God does is shows Moses his goodness. It's not, it's not so much razzle-dazzle. It's not so much that we need some kind of sign in the sky. What we need is God in his goodness. And that's what prayer gets us to. It gets us to this moment, like, even whatever we ask for, it's going to be limited because we, we kind of think we know what we want, and God knows what we want, and it's not just that God knows what we need. I think you could say it that way, but I think God knows what we really actually want. And what happens next in the, is just is this beautiful thing where God has all of his goodness pass before Moses. Now, does that give you chills? <laughs> Like whatever we're asking for, clarity, God, help me through this, God, I need to know, I need fill in the blank. What we're really asking for is the thing that God gives Moses, and all of God's goodness passes before him. What would you do if all of God's goodness passed before you? Like, what would that be like? Well, it would be too much, right? Right, so God is like, um, you know, from the movie, you can't handle the glory. It's too, it's too much. You can't handle the truth. You can't handle the glory. It's too much. I can't show you all this, not because I'm trying to hold it back, because you can't take it. And so he, he, there's this whole thing where he, he doesn't see God's fullness. He, he sees God's back, and someone has said, well, that was what he was going to need to see as God led them now for the next 40 years. <laughs> he was going to have to learn to trust God's presence from that perspective. And he, he sets him up, and then as, as he's going by, and all of his goodness is going by, he puts his hand over his face, like such a tender thing, so that he's not overwhelmed by the goodness of God. It gives me chills. Show me your glory is really a prayer for God to, sh to show us his goodness, to show us him himself. And so what God says is, I will have mercy on who I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on who I will have com compassion. And then God says God's name, which is so holy, so much part of this thing that we can't handle that you, you don't actually write it, you don't actually say it. So what is translated in the Bible, it says the Lord, the Lord. But what that means is that Moses heard the very name of God. And that's what God proclaimed, his name. Because that's what Moses really wanted, was God. This encounter shows us that the glory of God is too much, but nevertheless we have a God who wants to be known. And that whatever our prayer life gets us to is, is getting us to that. We're talking to God about what we're doing together so that ultimately we have God in the midst of what we're doing. And, and our joy is recognizing that. It's like the shepherds on Christmas night who are awed by the angels. We're getting close to Advent, by the way. It's, it's, coming, it's coming soon. They're awed by the angels 
But what did they go and tell it on the mountain about? What did they go tell everybody about? It wasn't about the angels in the sky. It was about the baby in the manger. We have God who wants to, to be with us, to not to impress us, but to woo us. Our relationship with God is intimacy, not intimidation. God shows up as a child, not a champion. It's not just razzle-dazzle. That's not the thing we want. That's the thing that gets us to the thing that we want. And so prayer is this, a way of bringing all of God's goodness into our everyday moments, into the highs and the lows. Prayer is about talking to God, about what we're doing together so that that becomes our normal rhythm in life. Letting the situations of our lives open us to the thing that we long for in the depths of who we are. Pedro Arupe says this about prayer. Ultimately, prayer is about falling in love and then letting that decide everything else. It's about falling so deeply in love with God that nothing else matters. It is about trusting God so much that all we want in this life is to abandon ourselves to his goodness. It's about knowing God so intimately that we can tell what he wants by turning our hearts toward him. Fall in love, stay in love, and it will decide everything. So what are you and God doing together right now? It's it's actually an important thing to name. What are you and God doing together in this moment? What are you and God doing together this week and the week ahead? And how can this week be a chance for you to just kind of name that? I uh, knew this sermon was coming. I have that advantage, right? So I, was, uh, I did a run yesterday, and I ran to Cariacas Park, and then I watched, walked Cariacas because the hills. And, um, as I, and, and, and because I felt like I could pray if I did that. And if I was running, I probably would pray a different prayer. Um, last week was about help me, God. Uh, so I got to think, and I just did this, and I encourage you to maybe practice this, to just to do the, here, God, here's what we're doing together. And this, this is what's really going on. And this is what I'm really feeling. And this is how I'm really engaging and being more present in the moment with you. And you don't have to even ask for anything. You don't have to ask for an answer just to name the thing. It's powerful. I encourage you to find a way to do that today and in the week ahead. And as you pray through life this way, I think the biggest discovery is this, that, that God is there doing the thing with you and that that's the thing that you really want. This is what we discover most fully in Jesus as we come to communion this morning. The Son of God who should, could have thrown his weight around instead turned the other cheek. Jesus who could have given up on the ones who gave up on him and they could have been toast instead he washed their feet and he gave himself his his body his blood christ could have lowered the boom of fear and shame instead he uses fear and shame our fear and shame to show us the depth of god's commitment to us to be with us in jesus we see god's glory john says but i think what he really means is that we see in jesus god's goodness And that's the thing I want for you today, for us today, for our world today, that we would just simply see God's goodness. So as we come to communion, we are reminded that we see that in one another. We see that through God's work in the church and in the story of Christ. And so I'm going to lead us in the great thanksgiving. And this is the great thanksgiving for All Saints Day. And the words will be on the screen. I invite you to 
use these words to prepare your heart to encounter God's goodness in the bread and in the cup today. Let's join together. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, God of Abraham and Sarah, of Miriam and Moses, Joshua and Deborah, of Ruth and David, God of the priests and the prophets, God of Mary and Joseph, God of the apostles and the martyrs, God of our mothers and God of our fathers, God of our children, to all generations. And so with your people on earth and all of the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church. You delivered us from slavery to sin and death and made with us a new covenant by water and the spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, Jesus took bread. He blessed it, broke it, gave it to his disciples and said, Take eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup, again gave thanks, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering to us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen Christ will come again. I invite those who are coming to serve forward as we pray together. Let's pray. God, would you pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and cup. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we might be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. Renew our communion with all of your saints, those who are living and among us and especially those that we name before you, the ones we have named today and the ones that we name in the silence of our hearts, giving thanks for that great cloud of witnesses that has shaped us and formed us and pointed us to Jesus. And since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, would you strengthen us to run with perseverance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, by your spirit, make us one with him, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until all the world knows of your goodness given so freely to us. And in that day when Christ comes in final victory and we feast together at his heavenly banquet, through your son, Jesus Christ, with your Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty Father, now and forever. Amen.